Friends, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I am your host, Kristen Carey, and I am really grateful to be sitting here with my friend, Sally Groff, today. Sally, thank you so much for joining me on our podcast. Oh, thanks, Kristen. I really appreciate being here. Thank you. I want to tell you guys how I know Sally. Michael and I got married almost 10 years ago now. And when we were blending a family, we knew that our children would need therapeutic support because we knew it would be really challenging for us and for our kids. Um, At the time, Abby was nine years old. She was Michael's daughter. And Josiah, when we got married, was five and a half, and he was my son. And so we found Sally, who is an amazing licensed therapist that works especially well with children in the Indianapolis area. And we brought our kids to her for quite a while. And she was such a tremendous help to us. And also she helped Michael and I with just our parenting strategies as we blended a family, which is extremely challenging. So that is how I met Sally. And now I am so grateful for the interaction that we get to have for the partnership that we get to have with sending people to her practice to get support and for you, Sally, being able to send your clients to the Living Truth groups to be able to get therapeutic support for for their addictions. Oh, it's been tremendous, Kristen, to know that you and Michael are out there and really working to the hearts of people, um, especially in this area, because I feel like as Christians, it's one of the darkest secrets and it's the most shame-based experience. And I feel like so many have just been so blessed that I know have come to you guys. Mm. So it's just a treasure to have you as my friend and to know that you guys have such a heart to see people free, really free. Mm. Sally, tell me more about why this topic of sexual addiction, of sexual brokenness, why is this such a, a deep passion in your heart? I think, Kristen, you know, one of the things I grew up with and, you know, you you just hit the nail on the head about blended family and what that's like. And I came from a divorced family system. Um, and so I think that... Um, that ache, that hurt that came Mm -hmm. from that experience came through a lot of what I found out later from as an adult, um, with my dad's sexual brokenness Mm -hmm. and how much it really impacted my mom. Um, you know, from having talked to my dad who is now 77 and retired, um, and how much he carried shame for a lot of his brokenness. Um, and it really, um, from the start of pornography that moved into Mm -hmm. having sexual relationships with other women. It just totally tore apart our family. Sally, how old were you when you found out about that? Um, I did not really know. I knew the breakup of their marriage was when I was age 10. And then when he married the mistress that he had a relationship with, that was, didn't come until well, many years later. Um, but that, God has really healed a lot of that. Like I really look to her as my mom and, um, I really have seen God do a tremendous healing, Mm. um, in my dad and in, um, just my life as a whole. I think my mom probably still carries some more scars with that than I really wish that she could set some of that free. She is married to someone else and Mm -hmm. has been married so for a lot of years. But um, I just find that this is one that was very personal because I can recall even as an age 10 where I found my dad's playboys and trying to hide them or throw them away and expecting that that would go away. And then just watching the brokenness of his 
his second marriage as he continued in this behavior. So it really made a lot of dent and um, in my life, and it made it very hard at times to really trust that men in general would be safe, you know, mm-hmm. to not do that or um, kind of hold women in that regard. So it took me uh, definitely some therapy to kind of come through with my um, oh, just that suffering of what that all did to our family. And yeah. so I feel really very passionate. I think God sends me uh, specifically couples who are at that breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I feel such compassion for them because they really need healing. This isn't something that has to break down families. God can transform. God mm-hmm. can reconcile. Yes. But it takes work and effort. And it takes a willing heart. So I think that's why that's been that way for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what kind of work have you done to be able to learn more about sex addiction and kind of the underpinnings of it and what mm-hmm. drives it? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what, 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 what are your kind of tips and the things that have helped you? Um, I think it's one of those silent addictions, yeah. you know, it, it really goes undercover. And I think it lives so much in a prolonged way um, that I think it, it it's different than alcohol or drug addiction. It's different than an eating disorder. Some of those things start to manifest and you see mm-hmm. the change, right? Yes. What tends to happen and what I see for couples is that there it stays the secret until mm-hmm. the marriage happens and then there's no sexual life or it's very absent or it's very neglected. And this idea that it's not flourishing. And the reason why it's not flourishing is because somebody else is getting their needs met somewhere, some other way. Yeah. So the sense of rejection, the Mm -hmm. sense of abandonment, this neglect, all of that starts to surface up. And then when you start to ask deeper questions and, you know, when I start working with couples, I'm like, oh, this is right here. Yeah. And most men, particularly, I'm not saying this is just men, but this seems to be more predominant. Women are certainly accelerating in this area themselves. Yes. Getting their needs met from, you know, a picture on a page and not a, you know, with a human being. Um, but the idea of this, I think for men is that they think that it's not hurting anybody. Right. They see this as, I thought this was just something for me. And I try, even though I hate myself that I do it, it's the one thing that I know that brings relief. Right. And I think that's what makes us complicated because yeah. there is that dopamine release. That's that ability to feel all that awe sensation yeah. and that pleasure. And then there is this thing that the enemy does and he just cuts it right out from under us and he just, just coats us with shame yeah and so I feel like it's one of those things that generally it just sleeps for many many years Mm -hmm. until it becomes in you know you just can't comprehend how much it's breaking down these family systems yeah so devastating and in your work with children Sally um what do you think is is impacting kids the most both when they're struggling but also Mm -hmm. when you see a family come in and mom or dad are struggling Yeah. Usually what I see is that, you know, I'm not blaming the internet. I just feel Mm -hmm. our kids are just soaked with information and they don't have the brain power to discern it. And they're trying to trust us and expecting us as adults to be able to tell them what to look at and what not to look at. If we can't make those discerning decisions for ourselves, how in the world are we going to protect our kids? Right. And I think it's that idea of first things first, right? How am I aware of the things that I know that are really hurting my mind, body, and spirit? And then how can 
can I be um, active, right, to try to make change before my child has any access to these things and at such a bigger, larger scale Mm -hmm. than anything that we grew up with. Right, right. Can you think back to that time you first saw your dad's pornography when you were 10 years old and Mm -hmm. the rush of conflicting emotions, feelings, thoughts that went through your mind? Yeah. Oh, I I mean, it's vivid. It's one of those yeah. kind of pictures you don't kind of get away with. Yes. And it wasn't like this, this was a cabinet that sat next to my dad's, you know, nightstand bed kind of thing. And it was easily accessible. It wasn't locked. It wasn't mm-hmm. like this was hidden in any way. And I remember trying to look for something, I don't know, pen or something benign. And I'm coming to this huge stack of playboys and i'm like what is this yeah and just feeling like this is disgusting like like i don't look like that Mm -hmm. and why do why would they do that you know like what what does this mean to want to look at that and when you're 10 or 8 or something along those lines and you see that and you're like why, why is that? Why do you need that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then not feeling like it's shaming because it's like, this shouldn't be something I should know about. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't, shouldn't be something that I should have seen. Felt very much like I wanted to just throw them all away and hide them, but I didn't know what to do. So yeah. you kind of just go, you shut the door and you kind of pretend like it's not really there when it's there. Right. And I think you, you live with that knowing that that's not right. But you don't know what to do because it's there. Yeah. And there's no way you're really going to, like, get rid of it, mm. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I think it was just hard as a kid to know my my – I know some they're doing something that I don't think is right, but I don't know how to go about that because I'm a kid. Yeah, you have no power. Right. So what do you think it does to a kid when they realize uh, – children today, mm-hmm. when they realize my mom or my dad has – a sexual addiction or, or is, mm. is viewing graphic pornography or is having affairs. Mm. How does that impact children? I think it's one of two ways. I think either they start to carry the shame and they don't know why, um, but they start to feel this, I feel bad yeah. kind of thing. And I can't really articulate the why. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or they feel permissed. They feel like they have now, well, if mom and dad do it, right? What it must not be bad, right? Yeah. And so if a friend shows me or if I see something on the internet, it probably isn't that big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually had a client that was not so long ago that um, basically uh, told me, look, um, this is just what we did. This is what the guys did in our family system. You know, it, nobody ever told me that it was a bad thing to do. Right. It's, it's been normalized. So let's say a parent finds out that their child has been looking at pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think a parent should do? I think they need to communicate. I think that's one of the biggest things. And the thing that I find that is so heartbreaking, and and I've had this too, as a parent where you just want to rush in and you get overwhelmed emotionally, like, Oh no, no, you know, like you get anxious and then you make statements or you say things to your kids that can kind of increase that shame, right? Right. Yes. Rather than taking a good deep breath and being able to settle in and go, okay, so this is the reality, right? And what am I going to do to try to bring this forward to make an open opportunity, right? An open way of communication to be able to say, hey, we need to talk about this. Right. This is going to hurt you. 
right? It may not look like that because it's just a picture on a page, but the more you stay with this picture and other pictures on pages, it's going to start to be a trap. And what can we do to help you get out of this trap? Mm -hmm. And I think that and being honest about their own issues with this, like, I feel like that's the other thing. It's like, do Mm -hmm. as I say, not as I do kind of mentality. And so they don't want their kid in it, but they can't get themselves out of the trap either. So I find that if parents, depending on the age and stage, but just being honest, I know you struggle. I've struggled with some of these things too. It's okay, but we can trust God, you know, like Mm -hmm. we can work at this. And then I think it's the next step of how far into this is this child in because yeah sometimes it's not just to put these parameters you know internet things that kind of block coveted eyes you know what I'm talking about tools don't necessarily cover the problem so I think the idea of how do we talk about what does this do for you how does this make you feel what does this provide Mm -hmm. in ways that I need to provide for you as a parent Mm. and to do something maybe in a different way a healthier way to help you cope Mm. What are some of the needs that you think kids are trying to meet when they keep going back to porn, even though maybe they feel a sense of shame or guilt, but they keep going back? I think it's anxiety. I think Mm. there's a lot of anxiety. I think it works. Unfortunately, I think pornography works very well for kids who are anxious Mm. and kids who feel depressed because it releases the dopamine. Yeah. And though as much as, you know, these pictures are probably not what I like, but it's exciting and it makes me have all these chemical responses. Yeah. And then I have this great big release and now I feel better. Right. right? And so they realize that that's an effective way of handling stress. Mm. Can you give me some examples of other effective ways of, of managing that level of anxiety, things that would produce some good dopamine and some of those chemicals, but not be harmful? Yeah. So definitely, I know this is age old stuff, but you know, exercise. Yes. Just go out and just Uh take a good run, be outside, enjoy being with others. Right. I think that's part of the deal too, that with that anxiety, there's this intensity that I must be weird. Something's wrong with me. And so they, we isolate from people. So I think the idea of having a really good community that you can feel safe and transparent and open with, and then really looking at the ways that I take care of my health and to do things that, you know, where's the pleasure of my my hobby or interest, you know, music or art or outlets that really give me that sensation of, oh, this is so good for me. I feel so good about me. That's the thing that pornography really steals is this idea that, okay, I feel better, but I feel awful Mm -hmm. at the same time. And so I tell myself, I never, ever, ever want to do that again. And then I find myself in that place again, where the stress rises up and this is effective. So I do it. Right. And then we keep reinforcing that in the brain and it becomes unconsciously a way we handle things. You know, like I have many people and I'm sure you have this too, Kristen, where they just go, I didn't even realize I was in front of my computer doing this because they just do it. it they kind the of dissociate. Feeling, yeah. And the feeling and, comes over mm-hmm. them and they know this is effective. And then they recognize like I'm in this well after the fact. Mm-hmm. So some of that has deeper trauma layers, but there is most of the time when I see kids at young ages really getting involved with mm-hmm. this, they use it as a form of stress relief. And just with exercise, with caring for self and others, being near God, trying yeah. to build up relationships in really healthy ways, feeling connected and belonging in their school and community has tremendous impact 
right? On these kids staying free of it. Sally, can you think of what is the youngest child that you Mm -hmm. have seen, the age of the youngest child that you've seen that's had a struggle with pornography? Um, That's a really good question. I I feel like God's kind of poking me. I had a Mm -hmm. nine-year-old, a nine-year-old male, and it was introduced by a cousin. And... um, and then it turned into more where there was actual touching yeah. and molestation and just feeling very violated um, and feeling badly that I wish I would have never looked at it in the first place. Yeah. Um, and then recreating that and parents not realizing that this was actually stemming from some trauma and abuse. Yeah. Um, but what started with, hey, do you want to take a look? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing turned into this whole other world that these parents just had no idea about. So yeah, I think about that that guy often. Oh, yeah. It's so it's sad. heartbreaking. It but is. God can redeem. Yes. Right? Yes, he, he can. He can, but we have to the truth sets us free. I mm-hmm. mean that's what we really need to come clean with. And that's yeah. what I would say to parents is like Look for the truth. Pray for the truth about this with your kid. When you pray for God to reveal truth about your child, make no mistake, he will show up. Yeah. And he will give you sometimes truth you don't want to see. Yeah. But to be aware and to have that open line of communication and giving kids that opportunity Mm -hmm. to speak and not feel shamed for having done what they've done gives them such breadth for change. How do you think a parent can determine whether their child needs therapy? Like, let's say a parent figures out their child has been looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they determine whether that's their next step or whether they need to just kind of keep it in-house with helping their child themselves? Yeah, so what I generally tell parents and even adults um, is the idea of seek counsel. Sometimes it's just consultation, right? Sometimes you just need to check in and just say, hey, is this something that I probably need to spend more time with? Okay. So sometimes even if you have a question, just spending one session with a counselor can be huge, right? Mm -hmm. To give some sort of context for how much is this really impairing the quality of my life. But that is the language that I use with anybody. How much is this impairing the quality Mm. of your life? If you're spending more time trying to fight this yeah, and you can't fight this on your own and you recognize that, then come to talk to somebody who has the credentials and understanding to be able to set that free. Yes. I love that question. How much is this impairing your life? Mm -hmm. I know we see that a ton with adults where the addiction has progressed because it does progress, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. What was an image, a still image what that did for you initially is not enough over time. It takes more and more. And these kids are so saturated with sexuality that they don't even realize it. You know, everything that they, that pops up, that they look at, whether it's violence or sex, it's saturated in all our media. So what we, you know, even me and you, I'm sure Mm -hmm. we look at is like, I've been totally desensitized because over time, when you don't look at those things for a while, and then you come back into it, you're like, wow, that really bothers me. Yeah. That really is not something I want to continue to look at Mm -hmm. or be a part of. But it depends on how much you keep those exposures. The more the exposures, the more likely it becomes unconscious and the more likely you gratify with that same behavior. Mm -hmm. It's part of our DNA. It's a part of the way our brains are wired. Yeah. Wow. So let's say a parent stumbles upon the fact that their child is looking at pornography. What can you give us like a 
multi-step process of what would you encourage that Mm. parent to do if they were to have like a little checklist of things that they would say to their child Mm -hmm. and then what would be awesome is also to kind of maybe a list of things you recommend people not say to their child let's start with what what would you tell the parent to walk walk through with their kids um I first start with parents when they know the truth instead of asking the child are you looking at this Mm -hmm. start with what you already know yep start with hey I saw this on your phone yeah or I found this on your computer I know you're curious don't go with are you looking at this because the answer is yes yeah and it puts the kid on a defensive right so I would rather people just start with I know it's here yeah it's okay you know, and I think this idea of saying it's okay, I want to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not here. I'm not mad. I'm not disappointed. I know there's a lot of curiosity and I know how powerful these images can be. And so to be totally shame free. Yeah. I yeah. think to be able to stand in that. And then if there is a place, depending on the person and, and the adult and how much they've been indoctrinated in some of this too, to be able to, hey, I know your struggle. I struggle with this too. Like yeah. it's normal to have these struggles and the enemy tries to rope us in so many ways. He's trying mm-hmm. to trap you. He's tried to trap me. And I think if there's spiritual context to talk about that too, to realize that this isn't about you. This is about something that's great than you this is about something that wants to take and steal your joy to kind of pull you into more of that darkness Mm -hmm. into the more of that shame I think if you can kind of externalize that a little bit and not keep that as your it's your fault that you looked at this stuff right you will change your kids dynamic you will Mm -hmm. open this up of like oh really I thought this was all my fault I thought because Johnny next door showed this to me and I can't seem to stop looking at it it must be because you know it's my problem it's my fault that I can't stop Right. And I think these kids really need to have that understanding like it's okay, you know, I I recognize this. And I think the next question comes into how much is this taking of your time? How much are you preoccupied with trying to get another image or another way to get access to this where you're you're going undercover. You're 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 hiding this away. And if there's somebody else involved, do I need to also try to come and help them too? Yeah. Because this isn't about blaming somebody else. But just to beca- try to help somebody else. Yeah. yeah. What can we do to minister to them too? Because both of you may need some help. Mm-hmm. And this is not to make, you know, don't ever, ever do this again. Well, stop it. Therapies don't work. No, it doesn't. It <laughs> totally doesn't. It just empowers that. Yeah. And I think the other side of this, too, of going, I know you're curious and I know this probably feels good. So the idea of really using accurate words like, I need to understand, are you masturbating? Mm -hmm. Are you doing this with someone else? Are you touching other people? Like, those are things that need to be discussed. Mm -hmm. And that's where the child, of course, is going to feel their moral compass, because that's the way God made us, is going to start to rise up. And they may go, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So I think the parent has to be so willing to come alongside that child and not come at that child, which creates such an opportunity for change. Mm. 
and safety. But I see what generally happens, and it happens with me too. You get that urge when you see something that's shocking Mm -hmm. that you want to jump right in and you want to say, never, ever, ever do that again. I'm taking this away. You'll never get access. Right. You know, I'll put all these boundaries around it. And what we're really trying to say is your discernment is what I'm after. I want a heart change. I'm not looking for behavior change. Mm. I want you to see that this is harming you too. So that they develop an internal motivation. And an internal way of looking at what is of evil and what is of good. Because we can't put all the parameters around our kids. I feel like what I'm looking for when I see a family system, it's like, I'm not looking for behavior modification. I'm looking for ways that, how do you get to that kid's heart? Mm -hmm. How do you be able to talk to them at a level that they can really hear that you are there for their good, for their protection, for their safety, for their, their success? And to promote that, knowing they're going to fail. Yeah. They are. I mean, it just, to what extent and what can you do to see it sooner than when you leave it in denial? And that's the other thing I think parents do is they go, I know Johnny's going up into the bedroom and locking the door and the computer's right in there. I know they're doing that, but either they feel equipped because they don't know how to use technology to find out what's really going on, or they themselves want to deny the fact that, oh, I'm sure that's not really anything. Or that's just what boys and girls do. Mm-hmm. And then they just give this unconscious permission yeah. to keep it going. And then we go deeper and deeper and darker mm-hmm. and darker. So I find that the the questions are really about being present. It's mm-hmm. not so much the question. It's about being gentle, coming towards the child, not bringing that with shame. I love it. I just took pages of notes from what you just said. That is so helpful. Um, I know one of the things that you've mentioned is, you know, perhaps a child goes to the neighbor's house and sees it there or wherever. One thing that we've implemented with our kids that has, I think it's helped, um, is before I send my son over to somebody else's house to play when he has a new friend is I will have a conversation with the parent Mm -hmm. and ask what kind of internet access they allow kids to have at their home Mm -hmm. and what kind of filtering they use. Mm -hmm. And I make it about me. I say the obvious, like, I know this is a little awkward for me to ask you this and I don't want to put you in an awkward position, but I tell them what I do for a living. (laughs) And then, and I say, you know, I see the fallout from when people Mm -hmm. get addicted to pornography. And so every time Mm -hmm. I, I send Josiah over to a new friend's house, Mm -hmm. I like to have this conversation. And if they don't have a lot of filtering, I ask, would you be willing to like, not let them have internet access while he's over there playing? Mm -hmm. Can they do other things? Mm -hmm. And so um, that is one way that I try to protect him. Now, there's a degree to which we just, we can't protect them entirely. We have to equip them. Yes. And um, have you ever looked at the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book? uh -uh. Yeah, it's a great book that you read to kids. I mean, there's one for three to six-year-olds and there's one for seven to 11 year olds there's a good pictures back bad pictures and there's good pictures bad pictures junior and you oh. read it to children and some parents are horrified oh. at the thought of reading a book like that but it's very it's written by a therapist it's very oh, developmentally great. appropriate great and the concept you'll love this the concept is that you're inoculating your children 
right? I love it. Because you're equipping them with the inner knowledge of why this feels good and is exciting, but at the same time is damaging. Right. And they liken it to eating too much ice cream. You know, like if Mm. I allowed my children to eat ice cream whenever they wanted, they would like literally eat a half gallon each every day. They (laughs) love ice cream. Your brain like wants to keep eating it, right? Because biologically sugar is like something that we didn't used to have much of and it would, you know, be a good, right. And it would be a good, you know, for getting ready to go into the winter and maybe some seasons of not having much food Mm. back in the day, you know, like a sugar would be a good thing to pack on a little extra energy and maybe a little extra fat, but, um, but it's not good for us. And now that we have Mm -hmm. such access to sugar, we Mm -hmm. don't need that. Mm-hmm. Our brain doesn't know the difference and it wants to just keep eating it. Yes. Right? And so we need our parents to step in and say, hey, let's stop the ice cream. You know, like right. we don't need to be, this is not good for you. Right. And she, they unpack the difference between the thinking brain and the feeling brain. So it's your mm. feeling brain that mm. wants to eat all that ice cream. Yes. But your thinking brain has more ability with logic and yeah. reason and understanding uh-huh. yeah or oh, your I parents can be your thinking brain and step in yeah. and say that's enough of yeah. that and i think that's really the the, the brain enhanced you know bring up an excellent point it's so much the untapped organ right we know we think we know a lot but there's so much we just don't know and understand yeah and how those synapses and how those images that we get caught with that can come in an instant right and invade and so i feel like what you're saying is that you know when if we can delay as much as possible or inoculate like you mm-hmm. say that these are the images that i want to quickly move my eyes away from and tell mom and dad right away and you won't be in trouble right then you give these kids this equipping just like you would with a stranger danger right Mm -hmm. it's it's stranger danger for a photo a stranger danger for a movie um music you know and being able to tell these kids like you know that's not what's best for me and I, I feel like the idea of the impulsive brain, especially as we get into those adolescent years, I mean, that's where I feel like the biggest hooks are in. I feel like if you hit that 12, 13 year age, and especially in boys and, and girls at that stage, and all of these raging hormones, and then you introduce this idea of pornography, oh my gosh, it's like, it's it's like an accelerant. It's like putting gasoline, gasoline on, on fire. fire. Yeah. yeah. And you just like, and these yeah. kids are just off and running with that without thinking they're just all feeling oriented Mm -hmm. and they're just getting as much dopamine as they want and need so it becomes so quickly this darkness that they can't seem to then when they're in their 20s and now they really have more of an adult brain and they go gosh I really don't want to do this anymore it just doesn't feel good to me I hate that I want this and then they can't stop. Yeah, they're already in the addiction. Yeah, and they're at least seven, eight, ten years into it mm-hmm. before they have that adult brain enough to be able to say, this isn't good for me. And then I can't pull back. Right. So I I think the, the things that you asked as the secondary part of this, which is what are the things I really need not ask, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I think going after it with the facts and I get a lot of parents that just want, I just want the facts to tell me what, who is this? How long have you been doing this? What's been going on? Why have you been, why didn't you tell me, you know, like why, why, why? And I hear a lot of anger and like kind of, um, 
shaming yes in the way that you're oh the moment you that. say a why yeah. question to yeah. a child you're, or any adult you're gonna pull this defensiveness right up because the why implies that i must have done something wrong mm. when you go with how how has this been coming into your life what has this cost you where has this happened you know um, when did this get introduced, right? You go with the facts. You're going to get a very defensive child and you're going to get shut down with, I don't know, maybe. Mm-hmm. You're going to get very shut down child and you will not be able to receive what you really want, which is connection. And that's what they need mm-hmm. because they're looking at a photo as a means of connection. Right. They're seeking connection. And it's false. Yeah. It's a false connection. Right. So that's where I say if your child is struggling to make connections with self and others, then you really need to look at they are most vulnerable to those kinds of ideals of process additions like pornography. Yeah. They're going to find a way to get that need met because they feel anxious that they are not connected. Kids know. They know when they feel they don't belong or feel accepted or feel weird. or awkward and so they'll be more propelled to look for other means to get that done to fill that need Mm -hmm. and that's where I would just say for parents to pay attention where is that isolating where is that anxiety where is that awkwardness how are you working to help your child have healthy strategies to manage that differently and sports community hobbies and interests Mm. propel on what they're gifted with Give them that satisfaction of what it feels like to use what God gave them to do something greater than themselves. Mm. Can do a huge amount of good to inoculate them from this as an idea. Like, why would I want that? I've got this. This is so much better. So much better. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now called Jesus is Better Than Porn. (gasps) I love that. Uh Uh-huh. It's a pastor who... um, yeah. He's stepped down from the pastorate, but this was a problem for him and oh. for many years. And he's yeah. written this book. It's, it's so far, it's been an amazing. Well, and it's interesting because I think God delivers people. Yeah, he does. And I think he has had given people this idea that you can be set free of this. Yeah. The problem that I see in our Christian walk is that people aren't paying attention. Yeah, God can deliver you, but he also expects you to do your part. Right. And if you're not willing to step out there in faith, just like what you guys are doing, which is just marvelous Mm -hmm. to give people a safe place to be transparent, open Mm -hmm. and honest about where they've been and what they've been up to for the darkness of their souls then you're going to keep this thing. Jesus can only go so far with that, right? Like he's going to make and look at this going, I did my part to try to set you free and get you into this. You've got to do your part too. Yeah. And you've got to be willing to do this in relationship with me. It's not a one and done. No. It's a it's a daily action um, of faith. It, yeah. It's something that you have to propel yourself and say, if I want to be in purity, if I want to live in that sobriety, I got to make it. Uh, it's my part too Mm -hmm. that's so true sally it's so true i know so many people who are concerned about this next generation and i think that our parents that are listening to this podcast will gain so much from all of your Mm -hmm. insights i know i took notes all over my page here and i'm gonna type them up so that um, i can remember and implement some of these in my Mm -hmm. own parenting and life so Thank you so much oh. for joining me today. Thank you, um, Kristen. Sally's information will be listed here in our podcast description so that if you would
would like to get in touch with her Mm -hmm. um, or anybody in her practice. If you are looking for a counselor in the Indianapolis area, we highly recommend Sally and her whole practice, Groff and Associates. And so thank you so much, Sally, for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kristen. It's my pleasure. I would... And, and for those of you who have not yet taken advantage of what Kristen and Michael have to offer, please, please take a step in faith and walk to their website and take a look at what they have to mm-hmm. offer. These two people are, they love Jesus like crazy and they want to love you out of this place. So mm-hmm. let them do that. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, dear.